Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of Scoutcast. My name is Ashlyn Weddington. So my episodes will forever be inconsistent unless I start getting paid for this stuff. But yeah, it's been a couple months. It's been a lot of months since I recorded the last one, but that's okay. So since my last episode, I've done a lot of things. I went to Thailand actually. I was there for about three and a half weeks. So yeah, that's what this podcast episode is going to be about. I want to talk about traveling with white privilege and also how to avoid cultural appropriation while you're traveling in another country. I'm going to divide this episode into three sections. The first section, I'm just going to talk about my experience there, what I liked, what I saw, what I did, what I ate. And second part, I want to talk about specific instances I saw of cultural appropriation going down, seeing white privilege. And the third section, I'm going to talk about ways to avoid exerting your white privilege while traveling as well as avoiding cultural appropriation and how we can do that. And I think this is really important for my age group. I mean, obviously this is important for anyone who travels, but I feel like Around the age, around my age, 21, young adult, college student, um, that's the time where you have a lot of opportunities to travel. We're not burdened down with a real job or kids or, I mean, we have responsibilities, but clearly not as much as a fully-fledged adult. So I would say right now is a really popular time to take some time to travel. Most of the people I saw who were from out of the country in Thailand were about my age, little bit older, maybe mid-20s. So yeah, this is very relevant. And white privilege, I mean, it's, when is it not an issue? But I mean, especially right now, just thinking about what's going on in America, but you got to also think outside of our own country. Like this goes down pretty much everywhere. And again, a lot of the travelers I did see in Thailand were white-skinned, uh, European-American So yeah, definitely something important to talk about. For anyone who lives under a rock and does not know what white privilege or cultural appropriation means, just kidding, that's mean. But for anyone who doesn't know what that means, I'll just define it so you're very clear. White privilege means to have societal privileges that benefit people who society identifies as white in some countries beyond what is commonly experienced by non-white people under the same social, political, or economic circumstances. And just to give a quick example on what that would look like, I mean, it happens in every situation you can imagine, but say a white man and a black man have the same exact job, they work the same amount of hours, they've been there for the same amount of time, but except the black man puts in more effort than the white man, gets his projects in on time, goes like above and beyond, but then the white man gets promoted simply because he's white. So that would be an example of white privilege. Just because of his skin color, he gets better benefits in this situation. Okay, so cultural appropriation. There's actually like a lot of gray area um, on this topic and it's been a really big discussion point in the past few years here in America. Here we go. So cultural appropriation, um, it's where a dominant or majority culture adopts elements of a minority culture 
but they kind of use this element to benefit themselves and a lot of the times it's taking this element out of context or it's using a sacred item from that culture and I guess watering it down, dumbing it down almost. An example of this would be a bunch of white girls wearing headdresses to Coachella. So taking a headdress, which is sacred to some native tribes, and using it to benefit their style, I guess, at Coachella. So if you didn't know, now you know, so don't be ignorant. Uh, Moving on. So I'll start talking about my experience in Thailand. Um, So I flew out of LAX. First of all, pro tip, if you are traveling to Southeast Asia, Thailand, anywhere where the flight is hella long, bring snacks, especially if you're vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, whatever, you have dietary restrictions. There's not a whole lot of options at airports. If there are, they're super damn expensive. So bring snacks. I messed up on that one, but it's all good. Uh, Another tip, if you have a flight, you can call 24 hours ahead of time and request a vegan meal, vegetarian, kosher, you just have to call them in advance and they'll have it ready for you on the plane. And I was surprised, the food was pretty decent, it was really simple, but it was like steamed rice and veggies, beans and bread, so it was good. It was definitely better than being hungry like I was on my way to um, Bangkok. Also, if you're a solo female traveler, I already knew it was going to be crazy in Bangkok, but yeah, it's definitely wild there, so just be on your guard. Um, Just like most big cities, it's going to be a little more dangerous than anywhere else. So yeah, just be really alert. Don't leave your shit places. Like, literally, I flew into Bangkok at 4 in the morning, and the first taxi I got, and I swear to you, I almost got abducted by this taxi driver. I don't want to talk about it. It was sketchy. Long story short, I had to like open the door in the middle of the freeway and threaten to walk my way back until he agreed to drive me back to the airport. But anyways, Bangkok was a little much for me. So I actually just spent a couple of hours there and flew to Chiang Mai in the north. Chiang Mai was definitely my favorite part of the trip. Even though Chiang Mai is pretty westernized and um, caters to Americans and Europeans, which usually irritates me when I'm in a spot that's catered to tourists because I feel like the culture is pretty watered down and I don't know. I feel like they're trying to pimp out their own culture in those situations, but Chiang Mai didn't feel like that. There's a lot of art and music and the city itself is really cool because there's the old city which dates back to the 1200s when Chiang Mai became the capital back in like the kingdom days. And the walls are, they were restored since then, but still, they're very old. Chiang Mai is awesome because pretty much on, like, every corner you could go to a temple. And the temples were open to the public. These are Buddhist temples, so they're super beautiful, ornate on the outside. Um, Inside, normally had, like, a big gold Buddha and just a bunch of carpet. And you could just go in and sit down and meditate, which was so awesome for me because... I get overwhelmed pretty easily, especially walking around a city all day, and so I could go in the morning and in the night to just meditate and chill out. And having having Buddhism be the predominant religion in Chiang Mai was really cool because a lot of restaurants cater to the Buddhists, so there's this symbol, this Thai symbol that's red and yellow, and they put it outside of the restaurant if they serve vegetarian food. 
because the monks are vegetarian. So that was really helpful. And so it was super easy for me to get really good vegan or vegetarian food. And a note on the food. Oh my God, it was so, so, so good. Yeah, it was pretty easy to stay with my diet, even though I let myself kind of stray from it just because I didn't want to be really picky or deny food or turn back food, obviously. That's really disrespectful, especially traveling in another country. So there's a couple times where I got egg um, in my pad thai or uh, rice dish. And I mean, I tried to avoid it, but I still ate it here and there. I had it a couple times, so not upset about it. It happens, not a big deal. And I think that's a really important part of traveling is being able to be flexible because you always think you have a plan until you get there. So just keep that in mind. But the meal I probably had the most was just uh, some white rice and steamed veggies with a lot of chili sauce. Uh, that could be like a dollar or two at most places. And then obviously I had a shit ton of curry, uh, pad thai, fried rice, so much fruit there too. There's the dragon fruit, which is really pretty, but it kind of just tastes like a melon. Uh, lots of mango, lots of papaya and pineapple, passion fruit. Um, getting smoothies was really cheap. Same thing, like a dollar or two. There's also a lot of vegan cafes in Chiang Mai because it is pretty westernized and modern. So that was easy. Another thing that surprised me, there was like a trendy coffee shop on every single corner there. I didn't realize coffee was that big in Thailand. For some reason, I assumed tea was, but coffee was very popular. Normally, I don't drink that much coffee, but while I was there, definitely upped my caffeine intake. Another cool thing about Chiang Mai is the Sunday walking market, so that was probably the most overwhelming thing I've been to. I spent, oh god, probably like five hours there, four or five hours, and it seemed endless. Like, it's just clothing and food, anything really. Um, food at markets or any street food's really cheap. Like I got probably four, four dishes there for $3, I want to say. Oh yeah, um, another food that's very vegan friendly is mango sticky rice. That stuff is where it's at. Oh my gosh. So it's just like it sounds, sticky rice with um, sweetened coconut milk and a really ripe mango. It's incredible. So Chiang Mai, I could talk about it for a lot longer, but I will talk about other things. So that was in the north. Oh, I also got to go to a lot of waterfalls there. Anyways, okay. So I went to Krabi Province, with, which is southern Thailand. I didn't like it as much as Chiang Mai. I mean, the beaches were obviously insane, like white sand beaches warm clear water we were at riley beach and got to do some kayaking a little climbing so much snorkeling I, I don't think i've ever been in water like that before it was pretty incredible but the issue with me there was it was oh, hyper tourism um lots of resorts and gross little restaurants that were trying to I guess westernized their Thai food and it tasted terrible, like a lot of grease and fat, which is obviously a lot of Americans like that, but not your girl. I'm not into that. Uh, yeah, so the food was definitely better in Chiang Mai. I did have a harder time finding vegetarian food um, in southern Thailand. And I think that's because Buddhism isn't as big 
in the south. I mean, it's definitely there, but um, there's more, there's a larger Muslim population in the south. From Krabi and Riley and Aonang, I went to an island called Kolanta, which is, I guess, probably like two hours from Krabi town. Super cool. I really enjoyed that part, actually. This island was pretty mellow. I mean, still had the beach resorts and tourist trap shops, but it was really peaceful. It was a really clean island. Um, kind of seemed more of like a hippie island. Lots of shroomy shakes. I did not try one. Yeah, lots of people passing out weed and stuff, so it was cool. It was a good little relaxing spot, but I'm not one to really just sit around and relax, so I got a little antsy while I was there, but had a motorbike and scooted around, so it was it was fun. Ooh, and another thing I want to mention before I forget is the toilets in Thailand. So like I said, um, Chiang Mai was pretty westernized, and same with the um, southern region in Thailand, but there were definitely spots where the toilets were a little different than I was used to. And so a Thai toilet, it's essentially like a hole in the ground, but then there's like raised platforms around the hole and you stand facing the wall, or more so you squat down facing the wall, and then you pee or a poop. And some places did not have toilet paper, so if you were lucky, there was one of these little, like, mini shower head things you just spray down there with. Um, if you weren't so lucky, there was a bucket of water that you just splash all up in there. Hopefully you get clean. So... Initially, I was a little turned off by it just because I had never done that before, but then I realized I squat outside and pee all the time. I'm, I don't poop and squat outside, but yeah, so I tried it, and I really, really like the Thai toilets. It makes sense because if you think about it, like if I'm going to the bathroom in a public place, I don't even sit down on the toilet seat. I'm squatting anyways, so it made a lot more sense. Technically, you're also supposed to poop in that position too, like squatting down. The way we sit on Western toilets is really bad for our digestive tract, if you did not know that. I did try a little showerhead thing. I liked it. It was cool. It wastes less paper. You don't need that much water, so it totally makes sense. And it's a lot of work for uh, the sewage system, the septic system to break down toilet paper and stuff, so water makes a lot more sense. So yeah, I would kind of be down for a Thai toilet in my own house, but I'll just pee outside and squat for now. Okay, so moving on to section two, I'm going to talk about as being a white person, a white traveler in another country in Asia and how I saw examples of white privilege being exerted, um, maybe even the culture being taken advantage of, and examples of cultural appropriation I saw over there. So this one's kind of a big deal. Like I said, I was going into a lot of Buddhist temples, and so it's a sacred place of worship. Um, and so it's expected that you cover your shoulders if you're a woman, um, don't have really thin tank tops, tang, tank top, tank top, there we go, yeah, that sounded weird, tank top straps, so cover your shoulders with a shawl, a scarf, whatever you gotta do, and please wear pants, 
so I did see a couple ladies not following this and I believe it still applies to men I'm not totally sure but I did see some Europeans and Westerners not following this and I think that's really really disrespectful so one example right there that I did not appreciate seeing and I mentioned before that things are a lot cheaper over there so foods cheaper clothing's cheaper and of course alcohol is cheaper so of course you're gonna get people who are going there to party I'm not much of a partier myself I did enjoy a couple chain beers here and there but I wasn't getting trashed every night but that was one thing that upset me and I don't know if it's just it would upset other people but I don't know just seeing a bunch of unconscious people going to another country and getting shit-faced and making a fool of themselves that seems like a form of disrespect for me I know it's fun to let loose on vacation and stuff but it's it's kind of gross to see like a big group of guys you know pounding chang beers running around the streets just being ignorant and wearing Thai clothing and thinking they're experiencing Thai culture in this situation like no you're doing exactly what you do back home so that was something that pissed me off but again I'm maybe I'm just an asshole I don't know I think I just wanted to see people showing a little more respect when they're in someone else's country rather than just behaving like their dumbass selves like they behave in their own country but anyways okay next example um so cultural appropriation example there was a lot of tattoo parlors really cheap of course to get a tattoo just because everything over there is cheaper and they have those booklets you can flip through and choose what you want to get tattooed on yourself and a lot of the things that were in these booklets were Thai symbols, Thai writing, Buddhist symbols so things that are important to Thai culture, Thai religion, Buddhism, whatever that might be and then seeing you know white people or Westerners, Europeans getting these things tattooed on themselves, most likely not knowing the importance or sacredness of these symbols or words. And so I'm not saying that no traveler, no Westerner can get these things tattooed on themselves without it being cultural appropriation, but I just think in most circumstances, they don't know what these things mean or the importance of these things. And so I think that's when it becomes a form of cultural appropriation. And so I myself actually have Sanskrit tattooed on myself, and so I'm not one to point fingers in this circumstance, but I feel like I don't need to justify that. I don't need to explain why I have it right now. Maybe I'll save that for another episode. But again, I think there's a time and place for having another language or something from someone else's culture tattooed on yourself. And I think there's a fine line when it's okay when it's not okay. okay. Next example of, I guess this fits for cultural appropriation and white privilege. Uh, this one was really, really upsetting to me. So there is the, uh, forgive me if I butcher this, but the Karen Longneck tribe, which is in northern Thailand, and it's the village that wears the metal rings around their neck to lengthen the neck of the females because this is considered beautiful in their uh, tribe and so in Chiang Mai there was a lot of tourist agencies advertising for uh, day trips out to these villages to 
look at these people um, and be a part of their culture. And this seemed really like they were exploiting the village to me. Like, this village is not a zoo. These people are not animals. First of all, zoos are fucked up. So, this whole situation is fucked up. I would not be happy if someone came into my village and just looked at me and tried to take photos of me or with me. And I think that's exploiting another human being. And so, this is cultural appropriation because you're taking advantage of another culture, a subculture in this case. Um, and also white privilege because I don't paying money to go be taken out to see a minority essentially so yeah I really was upset by that so please don't participate in that if you're in Thailand this is along the same lines as going out to those villages but there was also um, elephant tours for elephant sanctuaries and I know people will argue and say oh there are good ones there's ones that take in abused elephants and stuff and that's awesome i totally support that i'm glad there's a sanctuary for these poor abused creatures i just don't i really don't like paying money to i don't know i guess see an animal in that type of context and i know a lot of them let you ride the elephants and this is not okay if you see an agency advertising for that do not do that that's abusive generally the owners of the elephants will hit them or have these hooks and they do not treat them well so do not participate in those and so i totally support the sanctuaries but i myself just wouldn't want to pay money for anything that i don't know takes advantage of an animal but again i'm kind of extreme on that end so my opinion does not really count for that one, but just be mindful of where you're putting your money when it comes down to that. Okay, I'm going to take a deep breath because I might get a little heated for this next one. So sex tourism is huge in Thailand because, like I said, everything's cheaper over there, so a lot of men will go over there for prostitution. Um, paying money for sex is a lot cheaper over there. And so I actually experienced how it kind of looks over there in on two different nights actually so in Bangkok there was this giant hotel looking place but it had a really weird name and it had like a mermaid on front of it and I thought that was weird and that it didn't seem like the name of a hotel so I looked it up and it was like a seven story um hotel type room place uh dedicated fully to erotic massage and then in Chiang Mai, I walked down this one street at night, and it during the day, it was just all massage places. And then at night, all the women would come out wearing really, really scanty clothes, boobs popping out, ass popping out, um, dancing in front of the massage place. So I guess that's how it works. It kind of turns into that during the nighttime. This is where you have your chance to not exercise um, white privilege and not take advantage of the low prices of another country. So this is a really easy way for women to make Western money, which is obviously worth a lot more than it is than uh, the Thai money, the ba. And so just like anything, you use your dollar to pretty much vote or you use your dollar to make decisions. And when you're supplying that money, there's going to be there's always going to be women who are willing to do certain work for 
uh, this type of money. So if there's someone willing to pay, there's going to be a young girl willing to do that type of work. And by spending your money for sex work, this enables the woman to keep doing that work. And it becomes a pattern, it becomes a habit, and they might never get out of that pattern. And it's, it's really bad in Thailand because a lot of the times young girls are sold into sex slavery or kidnapped and taken into sex slavery without any choice. So I flip my middle finger off to all of you who are stupid and disgusting enough to participate in that. Okay, another deep breath. <sighs> okay, one last example. This one's kind of, I guess, not obvious like the other ones are, but I thought the concept of having food being a form of cultural appropriation is really interesting to me, and I know there's been discussion about that. Um, so I think when Thai food is remade to fit um, a Western or European person's palate. This kind of seems like cultural appropriation. I don't know if it totally is. I'm just throwing it out there. Let me know your thoughts on this. But yeah, I think when traditional Thai food is totally changed and altered, and it's not actually authentic Thai food, it's just super fatty and greasy or Western ingredients are thrown in, to make more money, obviously. This seems like taking advantage of a culture for another one's benefit, but at the same time, it, it is generally Thai people who are changing the food to fit the Western palate. So I don't know if this counts as cultural appropriation, but just throwing it out there, it's something to think about. So maybe try to support a... Okay, so moving on to section three. And in this section, I just want to talk about ways to avoid cultural appropriation and avoid taking advantage of your white privilege when you're over there in Thailand or just pretty much in any country. So first of all, step one, just do your research. Uh, I spent a couple weeks researching Thailand, like religion-wise, um, cultural expectations, how, how you're expected to behave in a temple, in a restaurant, walking on the street. Um, something interesting I found out, the more covered up you are, if you're a woman, the better service you'll get in a restaurant or hotel. And like I said before, cover yourself up when you're in a temple, in a place of worship. Uh, Thailand is really... Thai people love their king, so you'll see an image of the king in front of pretty much any business or restaurant or home and so be respectful you can bow your head um just i wouldn't recommend taking pictures or obviously not saying anything disrespectful towards the king or any disrespectful gestures this can literally get you thrown in jail again so just respect seems to be uh, a constant theme so just keep that in mind and so another thing when I would go into Buddhist temples there was a lot of boxes uh, where you could donate to the monks who keep the temples up um, and who study and meditate there so I think this is a nice way to kind of give back like if you're going into their temple if you're in their city 
I think it makes sense that they're if they're opening up their temple to you, opening up their religion and culture to you, it totally makes sense to donate back, especially as someone with privilege, with more money, a couple ba is nothing to you. And so the boxes you can donate to their food, education, um, clothing, couple options. So I every time I went into a temple, I made sure to donate. And especially since everything is cheap there, the food, uh, the massages, oh gosh, I forgot to talk about that. Massages were like $5 for an hour long of time massage. Wow, it was incredible. But yeah, so since that's so cheap, make sure you tip. Um, again, you have privilege, you have money, so be generous. And when I went to markets, or pretty much when I was just walking anywhere throughout the city and there was souvenir stores, there was these elephant pants that literally everyone had and just a bunch of other very standard touristy things that pretty much everyone bought because they were so cheap and accessible but like I said I mean you're using your dollar to vote essentially or enable something so these really trendy pants or whatever are probably coming from a factory they're mass produced in a factory you don't know the working conditions generally not so good in southern Asia but I don't know for a fact exactly where it came from but my understanding it's not always the best and I always try to do my best uh, here in the United States to not buy um, clothing that comes from a factory I talk about this in my thrifting episode so you can go back and listen to that but I generally buy secondhand. In Thailand, though, there was a lot of beautiful clothing. I did probably buy a couple things that came from a factory, so I do feel guilty about that. I'm not perfect. I'm not going to lie about it. I did it. But if you can, I did know notice that at one of the markets, there's a couple. Actually, there's more than a couple. There seemed like a good amount of handmade clothing. At least when I talked to the person, they said they'd made it themselves. So try to find that or try to find a stand that doesn't seem like they're selling all of the same thing because generally those are the things that are mass produced in a factory so just something to think about again avoid those elephant tours where you're allowed to ride the elephants avoid village tours avoid any type of sex work please that's disgusting and when it comes down to clothing would it make a Thai person feel uncomfortable if you were wearing that clothing like if you're wearing traditional Thai clothing or something taken from their history maybe you shouldn't buy it maybe you don't understand the meaning of that clothing please don't wear like a orange mox robe and if there's any type of ceremony or holiday or event going on think about if the only reason you're participating in it is because you have money and it's something to do are you generally really interested in it and you want to learn from it if you don't if you're just doing it because you have money it probably means you shouldn't be there and be mindful if you are invited then fully go and enjoy yourself but don't be shoving yourself into someone else's tradition or culture right so just starting to wrap it up one little I guess phrase you can remember while you're traveling and you can ask yourself um, is this cultural appreciation or appropriation generally if it's benefiting you maybe even harming or making the culture or people feel uncomfortable 
that probably means it's appropriation. So I think it's just a matter of knowing where to kind of stand back and just appreciate rather than getting involved or taking something for your benefit. So after this episode, after I post this, I'll be posting a little bonus episode. Uh, what's in my bag for Thailand, just things I always travel with and especially for Thailand. I also have my website up and running, um, so it's just my name, ashlynweddington.com. So the podcast is linked on there, then I have my wellness and nutrition counseling, and then I'll be posting my upcoming workshop, so you have to check out the website to see what the workshop is. Really excited about it. And of course, if you have any questions, comments, you want to talk shit to me, you want to compliment me, hit me up on Instagram, uh, Ashlyn Kate, or you can email me, ashlynweddington at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy your week. Bye.